The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. We carry on through our day as if everything is just fine. But for many of us, it's merely a mask covering up all the emotion simmering just under the surface. Welcome to Stories from the Heart of Leadership with Shamin Sadiq. In this program, you'll hear from others who face the same adversities in life as the rest of us. But these individuals have redirected their energies to creating extraordinary ideas and concepts. Find out what they are and what's behind the motive. Now, here is your host, Shamin Sadiq. Hello and welcome to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. I'm your host, Shamin Sadiq. And I'm with you today on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Welcome. It is another wintry Monday here in Toronto. And although it's not snowing today, the sun is shining. It is going to get cold again for a few more days. So I'm not really looking forward to this. I'm, I'm ready for spring. So come on, bring it on anytime now. Well, the topic for today is finding the middle way. And if you read the episode description this morning, you will know that this is about finding the middle between extremes. I thought I'd start with a small example of me, my own life, and how I can occupy the extremes. Lately, I've been giving away my energy until there's nothing left. And I do this often voluntarily, and I do it out of love, and I do it out of a desire to help and to serve. And what ends up happening is I give so much of my energy away that I have nothing left for me. And then I get resentful. I start to feel angry. I start to uh, be mad at the people that I am giving my energy away to. I wish that they hadn't demanded that I do so when actually the funny thing is it was more me voluntarily doing it than it had to do with them demanding anything of the sort. Well, even that could be an extreme. Perhaps there's some demanding going on and then there's a big part of me that that just uh, loves to help. So once I get resentful, I tend to jump over to the other extreme and I'll say things, I'll hear myself saying things like, I'm never going to do that again. From now on, I come first and too bad, whatever anybody else needs, doesn't matter. I'm just going to take care of me, which has a wonderful essence of self-care and self-respect in it, but goes a little bit too far on the side of uh, all about me, not about anything else. So I noticed myself, and this was just last week, I noticed myself occupying either or both of these extremes, one after the other, and realized that I needed to come back to a middle place, to something that was more representative of something in between those two energies rather than one or the other. And it's not a mistake that I called the episode Finding the Middle Way because I've been reading about 
the middle way. And I've been reflecting upon my own journey to the middle way. So for those of you who are familiar with uh, the middle way, you know that it's a teaching of the Buddha uh, known as the middle way or the middle path. And while I cannot claim to have studied uh, all things related to this, and I'm not an expert by any stretch of the imagination in Buddhism or the teachings of Buddhism, I do have some experience with trying to find this middle place. And I do not have an experience of mastery in finding this middle place. And in fact, I don't believe that any of us are masterful, um, are masters of anything. Masterful, yes. And to me, uh, a masterful approach is in always searching, in finding a delicate balance, in realizing and noticing ourselves uh, a little bit more on one side of the spectrum than the other, and coming back to shift our weight just a little bit over to the other side. So it's kind of like standing on one of those balls, those, um, I've forgotten what they're called, but fitness ball things where you're always balancing, you're always doing these fine-tuning, fine adjustments, and that's what I mean by finding the middle way. I do not claim to have found the middle way. I think that at certain moments I've been graced to experience something in the middle, and then before I know it, I'm back exploring the extremes again or catching myself in the extremes. So my talk with you today is not meant to be as a expert in this. It's more as a fellow journeyer in the process of exploring and looking for and from time to time finding the middle way. And I thought it would be interesting to begin with a little bit of my journey into this middle way or into this um, awareness of myself. And I'll start with I'll start with the present and then I'll kind of skip back to the past. About 10 days ago, I was at a conference here in Toronto, and it was a wonderful conference on flourishing, uh, and it was about moving from overwhelm to flourishing or to, you know, vitality and, um, and energy, and I noticed that we were talking about being overwhelmed, and indeed, I feel like I totally fit the bill. I started to read the book that one of the presenters is the author of and said, hey, this book about overwhelm, it's the story of my life. So I really resonated with that. And the second speaker was a woman by the name of Sharon Salzberg, who is a meditation teacher. And she's not a trendy medita- meditation teacher like the ones you meet in fitness clubs today or at yoga classes. Um, who have been, you know, have just found meditation a couple of years ago. This woman is the real deal. She's been at this for a long time, and I won't go into her biography, but you can certainly Google her, Sharon Salzberg, S-A-L-Z, if you're Canadian, or Z, if you're American, B-E-R-G, and, and read more about her and maybe pick up one of her books. I did actually pick up a book that she wrote many years ago called A Heart as Wide as the World, and it was true nourishment to my soul. Anyway, while she was talking, she was talking about meditation, and then we did some meditation, and my hope is that we'll do a little meditating together today, too. Anyway, she talked about meditation, and she talked about how there are really three aspects to meditation, one of which is mindfulness, which if you if you are... Um, in this world of leadership and, and leaders and, and coaching, as I am, it's, a, it's pretty much a buzzword these days. It's become a very popular thing. It's kind of the hip thing to talk about or to teach. 
but it's really only one of three elements of meditation. So she talked about concentration, mindfulness, and compassion. So I was listening to her speak and I was thinking about all of the things that had led me into that moment and I thought how arrogant of me to think that I could teach any of this because I'm no master of this. I haven't been at this since the 1970s. I was only born in the late 60s and I I found this later in life. Uh, So I don't have as many years. But then as I was reading her book, I realized that this is not exclusive. This is not something that you need a certification in, in order to talk about it or in order to practice it or in order to teach it. In fact, um, I think all that's required is that you are in the journey. And I said to myself then, well, I don't think I'm really in the journey. Look how I I don't meditate. Look how I've dropped my yoga practice uh, over the years. And then I was thinking about it today and I realized actually my roots in this world of let's call it mindfulness uh, because I can't I don't have a better word for it at this moment actually goes back to 1999 so it's not that long ago but it's it's not two years ago either it's it's a bit a while back I began practicing yoga in uh, 1998 1999 perhaps a little earlier than that but in 99 I got really interested in yoga and it was there that I was introduced to this uh, concept of meditation and this practice of meditation. I can't say that I took it to great serious lengths. Uh, It was just something we did as part of our yoga practice and I was much more interested in the physical practice, the postures and um, using it as a a way to to keep my body in in good shape and to keep my body limber and, and flexible. So I enjoyed my yoga practice and then in the year 2000 I decided to take a teacher certification. So I began to get certified in uh, a particular style of yoga and then I began to teach and uh, really no idea, you know, knew that I didn't have long history in this practice but my teacher said teach from where you are, teach from the place that you are right now. So I said well I'm a relatively a beginner at this I know enough to teach a certain sequence of series um, a certain sequence of postures and I will begin with that so I assembled a small class and began to teach yoga and we went very slowly Uh, the style of yoga that I practice is called Ashtanga and it's quite a vigorous practice or at least um, the way it's been presented here in North America is as quite a vigorous practice but I slowed it right down for my students and we we enjoyed ourselves together in any case I became pregnant in that year and then um, was not really able to practice as much because I got busy getting ready to have a baby (laughs) and uh, also Uh, other things were happening in my life at that time that took over. So I didn't come back to meditation until 2004. Although I have to say I did practice yoga. I did practice meditation, uh, not so strictly as you might think of when you think of a meditation practice, but more incidentally along the way. I was quite a conscious parent where I tried to be one uh, as a new mom and gave birth at home and did a, a number of things to sort of bring an element of mindfulness to my life and the life of my child. 
So in 2004, I was working with a, a teacher and um, a woman uh, and a human being who is extraordinary. Her name is Heidi Walk, and she's here in Toronto. And if you want to find her, you can just Google Heidi Walk. And actually, I think her website is HeidiWalk.com. So that's H-E-I-D-I-W-A-L-K. Anyway, Heidi was a psychotherapist and then was moving into leading more mindfulness-based stress relief programs. And she followed the programs of John Kabat-Zinn, uh, J-O-N, John Kabat-Zinn, K-A-B-A-T-Z or Z-I-N-N. So you can Google him. If you don't haven't heard of him, he's quite well known in the mindfulness uh, world and one of the pioneers of bringing it into sort of modern times. So uh, John Kabat-Zinn's program is something that Heidi Walk began to offer here in her own unique and beautiful way. And I was fortunate to be able to take that program with her where we began a very formal process or practice of meditation and mindfulness and it was a combination of of uh, body scans uh, reflection um, yoga as well as just watching ourselves beginning to to sort of notice ourselves that led me into the world of coaching and then baby number two came along in 2004 and uh, or 2000 and yes he was born in 2004 and after that, with two kids and two kids under the age of four, uh, starting a brand new business, leaving my employer to start my own business, navigating all the fun of relationship and home ownership at the same time, all this stuff kind of fell to the side. So it wasn't primary. I didn't find myself particularly consciously engaged in it, but it was always there. It was never very far away. It just wasn't as intentional and primary as it had been before. As I moved more into beginning my coaching practice, I came into relationship with many people who had things to offer to remind me of the importance and the benefit of my mindfulness practice. And I, for the life of me, if I tried to make a list here in this moment, I would certainly forget important people in that list. So I'm not going to even try. But what I will say is that I came across the work of Suzanne Skurlock Durana somewhere along the way. And you can Google her as well. It's um, Suzanne. And the last name is Skurlock Durana. That's S-C-U-R-L-O-C-K dash Durana, D-U-R-A-N-A. Check her out. She's got awesome work to offer. And I did take some training with her and began to employ her, um, I will call it, uh, I think she calls it grounding and filling. It's a, another meditation practice. And it really is about um, cultivating an awareness of self. And so her work became very important to me, very useful to me. It helped me to find the ground under my feet, especially when things were getting hard. And it was an enormously useful practice that I began to use with myself. And I began to use it uh, in, in certain ways, adapted ways with my clientele. And many people who have sat in circles with me, be it when I'm teaching or when they've attended one of my power circles here in Toronto or in Chicago can attest to the benefit of this work. I also use it extensively with my one-on-one -on -one clients and we, we all find it very, very helpful. Then, of course, I met Deborah McRae, who has been a guest on this show before, 
wonderful energy therapist slash mentor slash coach who I work with here in Toronto. I've worked with her for many years and wouldn't miss a session with her if I could help it because I find the work with her to be very helpful too. It's not so much about a meditation practice as it is about becoming mindful. And really, if I want to say something about how to find this middle way, it is by cultivating the practice of watching yourself, or I should speak in my own, from my own um, experience, the, the practice of watching myself, watching myself in action, catching myself in action, watching myself after I take action. Perhaps I notice myself while something is happening. Uh, that's, that's how I, I prefer. I prefer to watch myself in the moment, but sometimes life takes over and I get snapped back into some old way of being, such as the example I gave you at the beginning of this show, and I end up catching myself in act later, looking back, uh, movies at 11, as Deborah calls it, reviewing what happened and noticing, oh, that's what was happening with me at that moment. So I think that I have something to say about mindfulness and meditation. I think I have something to say. I think I have something to share. And although I dropped a lot of my intentional practices along the way, because it is busy, I have two boys, I'm now a single mom, they are 10 and 13, the the days when they are here fly by, uh, even though they're at school, work is busier than ever, the evenings come, dinner is made, activities are attended, and then it's time for bed. And there just hasn't been a lot of time for this practice. So we can talk about how to motivate ourselves to, to adopt our special practices uh, on some other show. But I'm just really trying to trace my journey with this. So what happened more recently is I began to pay attention to um, a few things, that, a couple of things that caught my attention. One is a quote from uh, Thich Nhat Hanh that is, hmm... I wrote down October 10th, 2014, so I guess it was, a, maybe it was a post, a Twitter post or a Facebook post. But he says, the best gift we can offer our beloved is our true presence, our true listening. And I just thought that was beautiful because that speaks to the quality of mindfulness that I have been working on cultivating within myself. The best gift we can offer our beloved is our true presence, our true listening. And then I saw something that the Dalai Lama said, which is, if every eight-year-old in the world is taught meditation, we will eliminate violence from the world within one generation. Within one generation, we will eliminate violence from the world. I love that. So let's pick it up from there after the break. We do have to take a break now. This is Shamin Sadiq. This is Stories from the Heart of Leadership. And today our topic is finding the middle way. We'll be right back. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. 
Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. If you have a question or comment, or just want to find out more about our program, please send Shamine an email. Her email address is shamine at anjaliLeadership.com. That's S-H-A-H-M-E-E-N at A-N-J-A-L-I Leadership.com. Now, back to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. Welcome back to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. Today, we're talking about finding the middle way. And... I'm still searching for it. (laughs) So I'm looking at my desk. It is covered with paper. There's a pile of filing almost as tall as me. And there's just a lot of stuff here that really needs to to get organized. So I, I told you I went to a conference recently on overwhelm and I felt like I was really overwhelmed. And I still do feel that way. I have resolved to take a little bit of time this month to just slow down a little bit so that I can get caught up. But I think that there's something more important for me than event-based self-care. So let me tell you what happened earlier this year. I went to uh, St. Lucia in February. I was very blessed to go to St. Lucia and I stayed at a wonderful place called the Body Holiday. And uh, search it up the ball, I think it's thebodyholiday.com, but anyway, just Google Body Holiday and check this place out. It is awesome. I had such a wonderful restorative time while I was there. I spent my days largely with myself. I went alone, which was sort of weird because most of the people that I came across at the resort were there uh, either with friends or in a couple situation. And I chose to engage in this bit of self-care by myself. So once I got over the first day of feeling a bit strange of being there alone, I began to sink into just enjoying myself. And what I mean by that is enjoying being with myself. And I don't know if there's any book that talks about this being part of mindfulness, but for me, it is 100% related. Enjoying myself, not needing huge amounts of stimulation or distraction from the outside in order to be joyful. And so I 
I attended yoga classes. I, I, I soaked those up. I, I grabbed a hold of as many of them as I could because I love practicing yoga and I dropped it for many, many years. I attended meditation sessions and enjoyed the, the restfulness and the peace of coming into relationship with myself and my own breath and my own essence. I laid on the beach reading books I swam in the sea. I swam in the pool. I ate meals and enjoyed them. I enjoyed the sunrise and sunset. And within a few days of behaving this way, enjoying myself in this way, I began to see a very big difference in myself. I mean, I could feel it on the inside. I felt peaceful. I felt relaxed. I felt at home. And it was evident on the outside, too. People who had seen me at the beginning of my trip, who were now encountering me in the middle of my trip, uh, many of them commented that I looked much more relaxed and, and much more radiant than I had when I had arrived. So I don't think that's unusual. I think that most of us live in the busy, nor in our, at least in our North American reality, we've got this busy work schedule. And then when we take a break like that, it takes us a few days to relax and then we start to relax. That's normal. But what I realized in myself was that I missed those practices. I had missed them. I may have been engaging in them incidentally along the way, but I missed the intentionality of that, of, of spending time on the yoga mat in the, you know, moving through different postures, yoga postures that I am familiar with. And as soon as I began to do that, my body started to remember. It's almost like my muscles had a memory of their own and they said, yes, yes, this is what we love. And we know this, we, we know how to do this. So I might not be as flexible as I was 10 years ago, but, but I certainly remember what my body is supposed to do or how the postures are, are, are meant to be occupied by my body. I had an awareness and a memory of that that was very strong. And the meditation became was so much easier than I remembered it being in my earlier days when I would have to struggle and, hey, I'm not perfect. I can't keep my my attention on my breath for more than a few moments before my mind starts wandering. Maybe a few instants, not moments. But uh, there's something easier about approaching it this time. And so I came home and I resolved that that these were things I were I want to reintegrate into my life. Now, have I been perfect? No, I've been home for a month and they say it takes 21 days to build a new habit. I have not practiced yoga for 21 days in a row since I came back. I have practiced yoga almost every day. I have practiced meditation occasionally and I'm still a work in progress so I'm working towards it but I also decided because I haven't been working with the young people that I work with for many months I've just been so busy that I haven't had a chance to do that I decided to take what the Dalai Lama said and really um, and really put it into practice if every eight-year-old in the world is taught meditation we will eliminate violence from the world within one generation so my kids don't know this yet, but on Friday, I will be at their school, uh, the school that my kids go to. I will be working with grades five through eight, and we will be practicing a little bit of yoga and a little bit of meditation. 
And why am I doing that beyond what the Dalai Lama says? Well, who could go beyond that? I mean, this is is a a wonderful wonderful intention that he has said. If every eight-year-old in the world is taught meditation, we will eliminate violence from the world within one generation. But also to help them to build resilience. And I'd never thought about meditation as something that would make you more resilient. But Sharon Salzberg pointed out that the practice of attempting to meditate, um, not being able to meditate or losing your concentration on your breath, letting go of the judgment that you have for yourself around that and then beginning again actually builds resilience. When she said that, it was like a whole bunch of things kind of clicked in together and a big light bulb went on for me. I've been trying to be so fancy I've been trying to come up with fancy things to do, to dress things up in different language so that it would be fun or acceptable for the kids so it would be fun and engaging and exciting for the adults so it would be acceptable. I was reflecting last week about an early experience I had with a a leader of a coaching practice who told me, whatever you do, do not talk about meditation with your clients. And I thought, why? Why? Why would I not talk about that with them? No, it's not corporately acceptable to talk about that, she said. And then years later, I think she's even written a book, um, but for sure I've seen her quoting uh, in the public's domain about the value of meditation. So I found that ironic and amusing and hopeful all at the same time. If she could change her view on this, then we can too. And it's, it is, it's kind of a buzzword these days. It's a little bit easier to bring in. So I thought, why not begin to practice again and share where I'm at with my listeners, with my children, the children, my own children and the children at the school and with my clients. So I, I think we should practice together for a few minutes. So we're going to do this for five minutes. If, um, if you don't like the thought of meditating, then go get a coffee and come back in five minutes. And if you're willing to give it a try, then put down your stuff, put down your pen or put your tablets and your iPhones away and turn them ringers off just for five minutes. See if you can give yourself the gift of five minutes with yourself. And I'll just talk and you just do what comes to you as I'm talking and we'll treat it like an experiment and so we're going to start in a moment when we start we'll, we'll do this for five minutes I'll be talking you'll be following uh, the sound of my voice and when it's over I want you to just spend a few moments writing uh, or reflecting on what that was like for you and then perhaps you will Uh, call in and share with me your experience or perhaps you will send me an email I'll give you the information on how to do that once we're finished so let's right now we're going to begin so uncross your legs and place your feet uh, flat on the floor take your palms your hands palms down and just rest them on your thighs wherever it feels comfortable I'm assuming that like me you're sitting in sort of some sort of upright position, but it would be okay to do this lying down as well if that feels comfortable for you. And if you fall asleep, well, that's great. Maybe you need a little bit of a rest today. So what I want you to do now is if you feel comfortable, just close your eyes gently. You don't have to squeeze them shut and you don't even have to close them if you don't want to. You could choose to leave them open, but just soften your gaze if you do that. 
And without focusing on anything in particular to look at, just see if you can take a couple of deep breaths, breathing in through your nose, and gently exhaling. There's no right way to do this. You don't have to exhale through your mouth or your nose if that's not comfortable. If one is more comfortable than the other, do that. I'm not being particularly prescriptive here. The point is just to take a moment to breathe. Breathing in. And breathing out. Good. So we're just going to practice breathing. See if you can bring your awareness to the air as it goes in and out through your nose or mouth. Just see if you can feel the coolness of the air as it enters into your body. Or perhaps the feeling of it moving across your skin. And maybe you notice a warmth as you exhale. And breathing in. And exhaling at your own pace. Nothing to do. Nothing to change. Just noticing your own breath as you inhale and exhale. Good. And if you find your thoughts wandering to something other than your breath, just smile gently at yourself. Smile with amusement at yourself. And bring your awareness back to your breath. Breathing in. And breathing out. And if it's helpful to keep your awareness on your breath by saying to yourself, I am breathing in. And I exhale. Then do that. bringing your awareness back over and over again to your breath. Thoughts will come. Distractions will arrive. Notice them and return to the breath. There's nothing to strive for. There's no prize for not getting distracted. All we're doing is experimenting, breathing in and breathing out, cultivating compassion for yourself and for all others. At this moment, You're no different from anyone else. We all breathe in and out.
Good. So we're at the end of our five minutes. So just gently, with awareness, wiggle your fingers and toes. Maybe move your body a little bit, stretch your arms or roll your shoulders, just to come back into this moment. If you fell asleep, you can gently awaken yourself and gently open your eyes. Just a small taste of what it is to be aware of yourself. Good. Very good. I don't know what good we did together, but I have the feeling that with all of us breathing together for those five minutes, much good was done. I don't know what else to say about that than that. It's just a feeling I have, one of those uh, funny Shamin feelings. Thank you for being willing to experiment. So, if you would like to share what that experience was like for you, then please call us at 1-888-346-9141. I would love to hear what that was like for you. Again, the number is 1-888-346-9141. If you're listening to this live and feel like calling, do it now. If you are listening to this uh, recorded, the recorded version of this, the archived version of this show, then send me an email. My email address is shameen, S-H-A-H-M-E-E-N, at anjaliliadership.com. That's A-N-J-A-L-I, leadership.com. And let me know what it was like for you. I have a special offer to make all of my listeners, and that is I have a 20-minute recording of a uh, guided visualization, if you like, a guided meditation that I recorded. It's, it's just a regular recording. It's nothing fancy, but I think it's pretty good. I walked to a beautiful spot near my home, my favorite spot on the whole planet, actually. It is overlooking the bluffs uh, of, uh, at Lake Ontario takes about, I don't know, 15 minutes to walk there from my house. And I walked there about two years ago at this time of year and recorded a a visualization or meditation. I'd be happy to send it to you if you would like to have it. It's something you you can download and listen to over and over again if it's useful to you. So we are about to head into a break and it feels like a good time to take a break. So take a stretch and maybe take a moment to document what you noticed about yourself. Maybe you'll write something down or maybe you'll pick up the phone and call me at 1-888-346-9141. This is Stories from the Heart of Leadership. Our topic today is Finding the Middle Way. I'm Shamin Sadiq, your host, and we'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. 
Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Where can you listen to some of the world's top life coaches ready to dish out success tips and entrepreneurial guidance? The Voice America Empowerment Channel will do just that. Whether it's personal growth, building a better business, or inspirational life stories, make it a daily habit to tune into our programs. From weight loss and personal branding to law of attraction and increased happiness, you'll find it every day at VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are listening to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. If you have a question or comment, or just want to find out more about our program, please send Shamin an email. Her email address is shameen at anjaliLeadership.com. That's S-H-A-H-M-E-E-N at A-N-J-A-L-I Leadership.com. Now, back to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. Welcome back to Stories from the Heart of Leadership. This is Shamin Sadik. I'm your host today, and our topic is Finding the Middle Way. I was smiling at myself during the break as I reflected on all the different middle ways or the different spectrums, I guess, maybe that's not really a word, but all the different extremes and the different lines of extremes that I can live in and occupy and how this finding the middle way um, can feel so elusive and and yet offers so much possibility. So uh, before we go there, though, I want to talk for a moment about some of the upcoming events. I think this is a good time to think, uh, talk about that. And if you're thinking of calling me to talk about what it was like to meditate, either just now when we did our five minutes together or maybe other experiences that you have uh, employing mindfulness or meditation as a contribution to finding this middle way, please call at 1-888-346-9141 and I'd be happy to hear what it was like for you. In the meantime, some upcoming events. The Leadership Circle Profile Certification, uh, near and dear to my heart. I'm so proud and honored to be faculty of the Leadership Circle and to teach and certify executive coaches, HR professionals, OD professionals, and learning and development professionals in the Leadership Circle suite of instruments. I am teaching in 2015, April 15th to 17th in Toronto. June 10th to 12th in the D.C. area. Uh, I think it's in Gaithersburg. And September 30th to October 2nd in Denver. So if you're 
interested in that, go to theleadershipcircle.com. Those are the three cities and dates that I will be the teacher for, but there will be other dates and other cities that you can find online and you'll see that um, you can sign up for those as well. My colleagues who teach this are extraordinary and you'll be well served no matter which city you decide to, to avail yourself of this training in. And then for my Toronto peeps, I've got such good news. I I think I've already shared this news with you a couple of times, but Barbara Bram and Chris Wall, who were my guests last week, are going to be here in Toronto April 15th to 17th, teaching their course called Using Adult Development Theory to Coach Leaders. And they are offering for their Canadian participants a $200, a $200 US dollar discount off of the tuition fee as an acknowledgement for the um, exchange rate that isn't exactly in our favor these days up here in Canada. So for that, you can go to beyourowncoach.com. That's B-E-Y-O-U-R-O-W-N-C-O-A-C-H.com. And finally, my most exciting news, the Leadership System Certification. This is an advanced certification for professionals who are already certified in the Leadership Circle. And this is happening in Toronto as well on April 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. Now, we had a Lunch and Learn in November, and we had a room full of professionals in Toronto who are all Leadership Circle members, and many of you put up your hands when we said, would you like to come to the Leadership System Certification in Toronto? So now is the time for you to go and register to join us, and you can do that on theleadershipcircle.com as well. So many upcoming events, uh, many Toronto upcoming events that you can make yourself uh, present for if you live in the Toronto area. This is your chance. We don't have to fly to anywhere else to take these trainings. They're coming here for you. So back to what we were talking about with respect to finding the middle way. Uh, I've been reflecting, and I think I think we're even exploring a middle way here on the show. So if you think of it, at the beginning of the show, I felt that we had to talk about meditation or talk about the middle way and talk about mindfulness. And I had to, I felt a compulsion to to give you some evidence that I'm credible to talk a little bit about this. And then we practiced it which is sort of the other, the other side. We talked about it, then we actually practiced it. So maybe those are two sides of the spectrum. And then in the middle, I was asking myself during the break, what's in the middle? I think what's in the middle is reflection. And so I thought it would be helpful to reflect on how this middle way or what some of the extremes are that a middle way can be helpful for. So let's talk about at work first. So there are, there are times at work when this might be very helpful. And I invite you to think about your own leadership style now. I'm going to talk about three particular styles. One is a tendency to criticize others for what is happening. Blame it on someone else. Point out how somebody else is wrong. That's one extreme. Um, and, and I'm not sure what the, perhaps the opposite of that or the other extreme would be passivity just sitting back and letting it all happen and throwing up your hands and saying oh I don't care doesn't matter doesn't matter to me what happens let it let them fail it's fine so if you notice that that 
either of those two are your tendency, because often we can swing back and forth between two extremes, perhaps there's something in the middle that would be more useful for you. Or maybe you're the kind of person that takes the whole burden of everything onto your own shoulders and carries it forward alone, holding the, the stake in the ground and, and, and being the advocate for something and then taking the whole thing on your shoulders, making it all about you and only you and nobody else can help with this. The opposite of that may be um, hmm, being defensive, perhaps, uh, instead of taking responsibility, pointing out why it can't happen. And it may be that you're the type of person that just goes into denial, puts your head in the sand, pretends everything is good, even if it feels like it's not. And I wonder if the opposite of that, which I would call not speaking up, might be being harsh and judgmental. So see if you recognize yourself in any of those three examples. Those are all places where you can find something better, something that has the passion of the wanting to do it all, that has the heartfeltness of wanting to um, have it be conflict-free or to be um, cooperative or, or have some sort of harmony or collaboration. It, it is about really finding something that has the elements of both but doesn't swing so far over to one side that you can't see the other side. I was talking with somebody today about how um, uh, he was saying that he used to have a lot of passion for what he was up to and there was a lot of autonomy, there was a lot of flexibility and uh, at that phase in the business that he's involved in, he, he felt like you know he was kind of on top of the world. He was really able to do whatever he wanted and to make decisions and drive things in a certain direction. But then more recently he noticed that that wasn't working so well, that that wasn't um, the way it was anymore. And he felt in a way sort of defeated, like they'd beaten out of him any passion that he might have had for where things were going. And that now it was just a job, just something he would do to sort of check the box and and, put in the day. And we talked about how there might be something in the middle. So there's a a real-life example. Thank you to the person who uh, shared that with me today. Uh, You're not the only one who experiences that, by the way. I could give you 10 other client examples very similar to that one. And the point here is to find the way between between harshness and passivity, to find the middle between aggression and um, head in the sand, to find something that is lies somewhere in the middle. And I thought it might be helpful as well to think about it from a health and wellness perspective. So here's an example from my own life. It is uh, that I, I can use running as a, uh, a way to react to my own anxiety about the fact that my body isn't as trim as I would like it to be. And I can use running as a way of um, working towards a goal. When I, when I want to feel healthy and strong, I know that if I move my body, I feel better. But what often happens to me is I'll do the all or nothing thing. And I think that's what we're talking about too when we think about these extremes. So on one end of the spectrum, I will not exercise at all. 
often this is because I feel so overwhelmed with all the work I have to do that I just do nothing. I just don't, I don't do yoga. I don't go outside. I don't go for a walk. I don't run. I don't go to dance. I just put my head down and get my work done. Uh, then I feel so terrible because I haven't moved my body for a long time and I tend to feel a little bit blue when I don't move around enough and then my pants start getting tighter and I don't feel good about myself when I look in the mirror. So I start running like crazy. Maybe there's a break in the cold temperature. I put on my running shoes and out I go and I say, I'm going to run every day. And then I do. I run every day for about three days before I wreck my knee or twist my ankle or um, I'm in so much pain that I can't run anymore. And so I swing between these extremes and I do this. This is a true story. It happens to me all the time. Um, And sometimes I, I find the middle. And I'm graced to occupy it for a certain amount of time. And before I know it, I'm back into one of these extremes or the other. The middle way for me is the way I'm exploring right now anyway, the iteration of it, is to find a way to move my body every day. So last week it snowed here. And I couldn't go for a walk that day. It was snowing really hard and it was really, really cold. And I felt a bit concerned about, you know, whether it was going to be slippery on the path that I that I like to walk through this forested area by the bluffs. So I stayed home, but I shoveled the snow that day. I shoveled my driveway and my sidewalk, and I said, good, I moved my body today. Did I move it in the way that is the, the thing I love most? No, but I did something that had to be done anyway. And so I took joy and pleasure in the fact that I had moved my body in some way that day. Other days, I take out my mat and practice yoga. And like I said, I'm trying to build a daily practice and I haven't quite got the habit uh, ingrained yet. But I, instead of saying every day I have to practice yoga for 90 minutes, I have said to myself, every day if I move my body, I will feel good. When I move my body, I am doing something good for myself and that makes me feel at peace, that makes me feel joyful, and I notice that I actually feel more relaxed when I do that. So, take out the mat, I have a half an hour between one phone call and the other, one client call and the other, I'll spend a little bit of time on the mat, I'll do a few postures, maybe five sun salutations, and then I'll rest. So, it doesn't have to be so hard, it doesn't have to be so... I think sometimes we try to remedy one thing with the opposite extreme. Maybe there's a gentleness in the middle that can be found. That's what this uh, finding the middle way is all about for me. And I will say this again, as I said at the beginning, I am by no means a master of this. I don't think I ever will be. I think the mastery comes in continuing to seek it, continuing to search for it, continuing to... um, adjust uh, to notice myself and make adjustments as necessary and all of this with a quality of gentleness a quality of compassion towards myself is it easy no way absolutely not it is a struggle and i i've struggled with it on many different fronts work life personal parenting and i'm committed to continuing the journey and perhaps that's what I can claim is that I'm committed to continuing the journey. I'm not always perfect, and I don't think anybody is. And I think that what Sharon Salzberg said about resilience is very apropos here, because the commitment to continuing to be in the journey 
it does build resilience. And I do feel more resilient than I was before. So I'll close with one thing, a uh, little bit of feedback I got from my 10-year-old yesterday. I, was, I had about an hour and a half before the next thing that I needed to do, and I was sitting with him in the kitchen, and he said, Mom, why don't you go and practice yoga? And I said, oh, sweetheart, that's a great idea. I think I'll do that. I said, um, what, what is it that you think is so great about that? Like, why are you suggesting that? And he said, you always seem more relaxed afterwards. And I thought, what a great bit of feedback from this little guy. He doesn't know that I'm going to be teaching him yoga on Friday at his school. Um, and that's okay. But I loved that he noticed and I love that he shared that with me. So I'll leave you with that. And I hope that you have found this exploration of the middle way to be useful. If you're interested in finding your middle way, then let's, let's talk. Let's talk about how I can help you in your personal journey to the middle way and also in your organizational journey to the middle way. I will talk with you again next week. Thank you so much for listening. This is Stories from the Heart of Leadership. I am your host, Shamin Sadiq. We've been talking about finding the middle way, and I wish you all the best with that as you journey forward and look forward to speaking with you again next week. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us today for Stories from the Heart of Leadership. Shamin Sadiq will be back next Monday with another extraordinary guest at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hope you'll come back as well. Have a terrific week. And remember, you are not alone. 